Good morning, East Brainerd Church family. Man, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Can you feel the energy in the room today? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you might say it's the, um, the cooler temperatures, you know. Uh, you might say, you know, you got all your coffee this morning. I prefer to say that uh, we're in the presence of God and we understand that. And uh, we are enjoying our time, our time together. And I, again, appreciate the way that uh, not only that you showed up this morning, but also the way that you've showed out. So thanks so much for thanks so much for being here and for joining us as we have come together to encourage one another to lift up, lift up one another, and to focus our hearts and our minds on Jesus Christ. Uh, if you are one of our first-time uh, attendees, well, we're so glad that you are here. We need you to know that we're kind of finishing up a, a series that we began a few weeks back. That's called At EB. It's the final lesson today in this teaching series that's designed to kind of share with everybody important principles that just serve as, as guide rails for everything that we do here at East Brainerd. Uh, you see, each week someone normally asks a, a version of a specific question. They'll say, hey, what's going on at EB? They'll say, hey, Chris, what's happening over at East Brainerd? Chris, what's, what, what's up there at EB? Let, let me know if, if I were to visit, if my family were to come and be with you, what, what's going on? Or, or, hey, tell me a little more about what I'm hearing about, about the church that you're a part of. And maybe you've asked a similar question, and maybe that question has brought you here this morning. Well, it might surprise you to learn that our church family has witnessed over the last decade uh, a real change in demographics. Uh, the majority of you who call East Brainerd home well, you have called East Brainerd home only within the last 10 years. And many of you, this has been your church family for less than five. Now, while I've been here for 12 years, all the other ministry staff that we have, well, they've been here less than eight. And uh, there are four on staff right now who have been with us for less than two years. So the chances are, if you were to meet someone in the lobby or someone in one of our small group studies that's going to be going on a little bit, um, a little bit later on, that, that individual that you meet, well, they're probably going to be new to our church family here. They're, they're going to be someone who has come within the last five, maybe within the last ten years. Now look, we still have some wonderful individuals and families who are lifers. Man, these guys and gals, these are lifers, and these are individuals who form the underpinnings of our spiritual foundation here. These are individuals who have gone through the spiritual fires. These are individuals who are examples of faithfulness and godliness. And, and if we're not for them, the good things that have been done through this church family through the years would not have taken place. But the majority of you, the majority of you have been with us for a relatively short amount of time. So we just thought it would be appropriate to take some time and to share some of the things about our church family that are just important principles serving as guide rails for everything that we do here. And so we've already shared together how that here at EB we strive to have Jesus Christ and his love at the center of everything that we do. It's the why behind everything that we do as a spiritual community. It's the why behind our ministries, the why behind our gatherings. It's the why behind the conversations that we have. You see, we want our friends and we want families and, and we want our neighborhoods. And, and guys, we even want, we want ourselves as a church to move closer to a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. 
That's what we desire because we have focused and we are striving to focus even more on Jesus and his love. That is, that is the why. Now we've also shared with you that here at EB we believe that life is better together. God never intended for his people to be alone. We are made for relationship. As Travis shared, we are made to be around the table. And there, there's nothing perhaps more sad than oftentimes to be at the table by yourself. You look around and you see seats that are empty that used to be filled with family members and you remember conversations, you remember laughter and stories. We were made to be together in relationship. And it's within Christ-centered relationships that we find healing for our soul. Now, it was last week that we were reminded that at, at EB, worship is a lifestyle, not an event. Now, I said, hey, there's a lot of energy in the room this morning. We love our events, and we love being able to come together. But, but worship is a lifestyle. You see, your time here this morning in prayer and praise and in communion and conversation should strengthen and motivate you to a life of worshipful, God-honoring service. That should be who you are this week because you have been here today. Not so that you can be saved or keep your salvation, but because you have been exposed to God's grace. You see, at EB, we believe that when grace is stressed in the church, then people will be blessed by the church. We believe that we are blessed to be a blessing. And that's what I want us to focus on here just for a few minutes today as we kind of try to, to wrap up this, this, this idea of, hey, what's going on at East Brainerd? Now, if you've been in church for any length of time, or if you've been around different types of, of Bible studies, you've probably heard of a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. He wrote the majority of your New Testament, the letters that are there. And in your New Testament, the Apostle Paul is the most ardent proclaimer of the gospel of grace. That is, that we are saved by what Jesus did and not by what we do. Yet, as you read through the different writings of Paul, you'll see that he has no problem with preaching a gospel of grace, while at the same time calling on Christians to regularly do something. Do something. Open up your Bibles. Do something for me. Open up your Bibles to the New Testament letter written to Titus. Marco has already read from that text uh, this morning. Appreciate him doing that. Chapter 2 is where we're going to begin. So Titus chapter 2 is near the, the end of your New Testament. If you want to start there at the end and flip, and if anybody still flips anymore, or you just take out your phone and punch Titus, and boom, it pops up in your Bible app. Look at verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, with righteousness and devotion to God, while we look forward to the hope of that wonderful day when the glory of God our Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. It says in verse 14, He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, cleanse us, and to make us his very own people. And notice how it ends. Individuals, people, men, women, who are totally committed to doing good deeds. Doing good is the re expected response to good news. See, there's a response. There's this idea that, that Paul has that says, look, I'm going to tell you about the good news because after you hear about it, you're going to want to go and do something that is good. 
right? You're going to hear about something, and your response is going to be you engaging in active goodness. You see, New Testament holiness is more than just thou shalt not. Even though I know typically whenever we hear sermons about holiness, oftentimes the focus is on those things that we, that we should not be doing. You know, we shouldn't, you know, smoke, drink, curse, or chew, or hang around girls that do. That's what I learned growing up. And, and, and so, I, you know, I looked long and hard until I could find Miss Tanya because let me tell you, at Auburn, there was a lot of girls that chewed. I mean, that's just how it was. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? Uh, but... But as a result of this, uh, of, of, hearing, uh, of hearing about how, look, it's all about thou shalt not, we have this thinking that oftentimes is a lot like the guy that the gospel writers refer to as the rich young ruler. Now, he was this guy that came to Jesus, and, and he had this thinking that he had his faith all ironed out because he did not cross any moral boundaries. And so he came to Jesus, and he says, look, I don't do that, and I don't do that, and I don't do that, and I don't do that, and... And so Jesus says, great, then sell what you have and go give it to the poor. And Jesus found out that the man, well, he didn't do that either. That wasn't what he was about. But guys, it is not enough, listen to me, it is not enough to not do what is wrong. You have got to bless somebody. It's not about just being able to talk about all the things you don't do and the things that you said no to. It's how have you said yes to God? Because discipleship is more than the absence of badness. It is the presence of active goodness. To be a Christ follower is to be a do-gooder. To be a do-gooder, actively blessing the world in the name of Jesus. Now I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians who were living in Ephesus. This is in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. He says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Here he goes again. He's going to pound home this idea of what makes you right with God. He says, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast. He says, this is not, this is not about what you have done to earn a relationship with God. It's about what God has done seeking a relationship with you. He says, but you're God's handiwork. You're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In your New Testament, the tension is not between grace and works. Okay, the tension is not between grace and works. The tension is between grace and merit. The idea that the works that I do somehow merit the salvation that God gives, that I earn it in some ways. Now look, Paul has a big problem with that. But he has no problem at all with expecting that, that you and my response to the good news of God's grace will be that we will become do-gooders. You say, but okay, Chris, hang on. If, if doing good and if being a blessing doesn't get me any brownie points with God, I mean, why, why should I bother, Right? Okay? I mean, if, if it's not going to get me anything. I mean, if you're in school with this group that sits over here, uh, you know, to my right, and the teacher says, hey, look, here's what I'd love for you guys to do. So this, this would be great. You know, I would love for you guys to go to the back of, uh, of the chapter, and there are all these different 
problems that you can work, and, and you just work those problems, and it's going to be great for you. And the kids are going to ask, it's like, oh, great, great. Um, and what kind of extra credit do we get? Well, you don't get any extra credit. I don't get any extra credit. You mean, you, you want me to do work, and you're not going to you're not going to give me a grade. You're not going to do anything for me. No, this is for your benefit. This is going to enrich you as a student. This is going to make you a lifelong learner. This is going to grow and mature you. And I can't wait to see what you guys become in the future, all because you've done all this work at the end of the chapter. And you know they're going to run home. And they're going to run home, and moms and dads are going to say, hey, what have you got to do tonight? We have work that we're not going to get credit for. And we are so pumped. I mean, your son's going to say, I can't wait. I've got to go. I've got to finish this chapter. Well, why? Are you going to get extra credit? No, but it's going to make me a better person. And it's going to be great. And I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better father in the future. This is going to be awesome, right? And it's about that time that you call up the doctor and you say, I've really got something to talk to you about because my child, something is wrong. Because they're wanting to do work. And they're not going to get credit for it. And they're not going to get any kind of grade. And so we say, look, if I'm not going to get any brownie points from God, I mean, if God's not going to pull out the old roll and then say, ah, look at that right there, Aaron Mercer. Man, look, 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 look what he did today. Look what he did. Man, he, he was a servant. And, 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 and if you're not going to get credit for that, Aaron, I mean, why are you, I mean, you're all snuggled up there next to your wife. I mean, you guys are close, right? Look at that, getting closer. That is right. You know, He's like, I'm getting brownie points, right? I mean, yeah, see, he's giving me the thumb. He's like, I'm getting brownie points for this, but not from God, but from his wife. I mean, that's brownie points. That's great. He said, well, Chris, why are we doing these things? I mean, if there's nothing in it for me, then why is Paul so adamant that good news produces do-gooders? Well, I think it's because doing good was the message in life of Jesus. So we go back and we center in again on Jesus do you remember in Acts chapter 10, Peter is talking to Cornelius, and he's talking about who Jesus was and what he was like. And he said there in the chapter, he said, you know, he said, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good. You cannot sum up the life of Jesus by saying, well, he didn't do this, and, and he didn't do this, that, that's, not, that's not how you sum up his life. You sum up the life of Jesus by saying, well, he did this, and he did this. Well, and Jesus, well, he, he did this too. I mean, he was a do-gooder because the good news, the good news that we are saved by grace doesn't eliminate good works. It motivates good works. And, and friends, we have said this many times across the years here at East Brainerd. When grace is stressed in the church, People get blessed by the church. People get blessed by the church. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so over and over again in Paul's letter to Titus, he stresses, do good. Go do good. Bless somebody. And he wraps up his thoughts in chapter 3, verse 14. You look on the screen, you can pull it up there on your phone. He says, our people must learn. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not to live unproductive lives. All right, let's focus in on three quick things. All right, three things for us. Here's the first one. Doing good is a pursuit. 
Doing good is a pursuit. He says our people must learn. Because doing good just doesn't come naturally to us. It's not something that just happens. We didn't just come up out of the waters of baptism and immediately become selfless individuals. We have to pick up our cross and and we have to die to self-absorption. So we're going to try a little experiment this morning. Okay, we're going to try a little experiment. Um, I need everybody where you're at just to go ahead and take off your shoes and your socks. All right? I need everybody to take off your shoes and... Okay, no, no, you, you don't have to. It's okay. Uh, I, I was going to tell you that there were, um, there, were, there, there were men and women there in the back that had bowls of water and they were going to come down and, and you know, we were just going to take some time to, um, you know, wash feet. Um, now, some of you, I know, you, you was like, the preacher said, take off your shoes. I'm going to do it because, you know, I might get, brown- we're not, you're not getting brownie points if you took off your shoes, okay? Or your socks. And if you did that, please put them back on. But some of you, when I said that, you were like, I'm not going to do that. I didn't know East Brainerd was that kind of church. <laughs> uh, we, we don't want our neighbors to see our feet. We, we don't want to see our, our neighbors' feet, to be honest. We want to preserve our dignity. Here's the point. Moving from serve us to service doesn't happen overnight. We don't get excited when we say, hey, we're going to wash everybody's feet. We're going to make sure everybody's clean. We're, we're going to do acts of service today, you know, for one another. We don't go, woo, all right. It's a pilgrimage. It's a pilgrimage that must be intentionally pursued. But not only are we not intentionally pursuing this, I'm afraid that actually some of the things that we do hinder our efforts when we look at our church as a whole. You know, during the last generation, like everything else in American culture, we have produced consumer church. And so we say, come to our church. Come, come to EB, because we have all these things to be able to meet your needs. To come to church, and we talk about things that are going on here, and we'll talk about different ministries, and we'll talk about different events, and we want you to come and, and let us tell you about our church family, and come on. And as a preacher, I often have people who ask me. They'll say, hey, what's going on at EB? And then they'll say, well, what does EB have to offer me and my family? It's a common question that I hear. And I think I've told you before that I'm waiting on that phone call. I'm waiting on that phone call where someone will say, hey, Chris, we've just moved into your neighborhood. And, and, and I really feel that God has gifted our family in a lot of different ways. And we want to serve Chattanooga. And we want to serve people. And we would just like to know if your church could use us. How could your church family use us? What, what, what can we do? I don't get that call. Still waiting on it. And I think it's because within our culture, we're producing consumer Christians who each week visit the church mall to buy the services and then go home happy. You see, as a whole, the, the evangelical, the Christian movement, we have not taught people to be servants We have taught people to be consumers. But Paul's conviction was that you can't be growing as a Christian unless you are serving somebody. It's not enough to come to church if you are not out living as the church. And it doesn't matter how marked up your Bible is with notes or or how much money that you, you put in the giving boxes or set up to give each week online. If you're not serving, then you're not growing. And doing good is a pursuit 
It's something that I have to work at because it's not something that just comes naturally to me. And so my prayer is that we will pursue do-gooding relentlessly this week. And that brings us to the second point, I think, from this passage. And that's the fact that doing good must become a passion. He says our people must learn to devote themselves. Now in Acts chapter 2, we read about how that Christ followers, those early Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, communion, and, and to prayer together. Now here in Titus chapter 3, we're told that Christians are to devote themselves to being do-gooders. And let's be honest, our church fellowship, man, we are Acts 2 kind of people. And we have focused in there in Acts 2 and how that we need to devote ourselves to these things and these things and these things. But I also think we need to be Titus chapter 3 kind of people. Where with the same energy and effort and passion that we put into the communion and the prayer and the fellowship and all the things that oftentimes occur around the event, that we put that same passion or even greater into the idea of what is going to be taking place in the lives of others after the event is over. You see, the wording implies, the wording implies that doing good is our job. That's the original wording here. It's this idea that we are overseeing and that we are managing and that we are giving our full attention to. It's this idea that pursuing, doing things that are good, well, that's our passion. And don't we love to see someone who is passionate about their job? I think about a man who stood on the side of the road beside the entrance to a church campus in, in Pelham, Alabama. And each morning he would stand by the entrance there to the parking lot and he would just, he would wave. I mean, he, he would wave if you were driving by on the main road. He would wave if you pulled into the parking lot. He was, he was waving and Tanya and I would call him the happy waving man. And, and so every Sunday morning, there we are driving down the road and, and there he is waving at church members and he's, he's waving at random strangers. It didn't matter rain or shine, if it was hot or cold, he was out there waving. And let me tell you something, he was passionate about it. It wasn't just one of these, you know, you know the queen waves, right? It wasn't that. I mean, he was one of those guys, before you flip signs, man, he would have been a great sign flipper. He was one of those... I think that they, I think, here's what happens. You know those, those blow-up kind of dolls that fly in the wind, you know? I think they modeled that whole concept after this guy. Because he's on the side of the road, and it's Sunday morning, and man, he's, woo! You know, he's going, and, and I so wanted, because of his passion, I wanted to go to church there. But I was preaching down the road, and so I couldn't. I mean, I, I really did. I'm like, hey, we're, gonna turn, we're, we're going there today. And Tanya's like, I would like us to keep a job. Oh, okay, fine. But he was passionate about his job. I want to know, are you passionate about yours? Not the job that you have that, that pays you, but the job that you have because you've been saved by grace. Are you passionate about serving others? Do people want to visit your house? Do people want to be a part of your church family because of the way they see you living and because of the way they see your passion? You know, if we're honest, I think we would have to admit that serving others and creatively coming up with ways to be a blessing to our community, well, it's what we do if, if we have time. Doing good is not our devotion. Doing good is not our passion. Doing good is our filler. 
It's what we fill out our calendars with after we have recorded everything else that is important. And we say it's a time issue. We say we're too busy. But in actuality, it's more of an issue of the heart. And I think that's why at EB, we at times struggle to find volunteers for some of our ministries. As a whole, and I'm just saying as a whole, I mean, I know there are some of you, there, there are some of you who have, from the time that you've walked onto our campus, you have been an individual who have, you've given yourself to service, not only to this church body, but to this, to this city. But as a whole, our hearts are not focused on doing good. And it's why our snack pack ministry, a ministry that's going to be meeting uh, this Wednesday, by the way, to pack some 10,000 bags, a ministry that provides meals for food insecure children in Hamilton County. It's a ministry that we are known for, EB is known for across Chattanooga. But it's why that this ministry is sustained, not by volunteers from EV, even though those volunteers are here to get things set up and get things ready every single month. But when it comes to sustaining this ministry and making sure that it is successful, it's sustained not by our volunteers, but by our community. And praise God for our community. Hey, praise God for the people who come on, on those Wednesdays and who come and who walk, who come and, and who tie bags and who come and, and unload food. Praise God for those individuals who have nothing to do with, with our church family at all. But it is difficult to explain to these guests who come on our campus the first Wednesday of each month why our own people are not participating in greater numbers. That's a hard thing for the preacher to try to sell and to explain. It's why our children's ministry struggles to have enough volunteers to help with kids' praise and Sunday morning small group. It's why our grounds crew looking for mowers. It's why our transformation and prison ministry continues to have needs for help. And friends, a church family our size should not be lacking in do-gooders. Shouldn't. We got way too many do-gooders. We got way too many people who have been blessed by the good news of Jesus Christ. And if anything, the do-gooders should be clamoring for more opportunities to do good. <laughs> There's not enough stuff going on. There's not enough stuff for me to be involved in. But until serving others and doing good becomes our devotion and becomes our passion, then our ministries, whether they're inward or outward focused, are going to suffer. And Paul says that doing good must be a pursuit. We've got to intend to get there, and it's got to be a passion, something that you learn to love to do, not something that you have to do. And so that comes to number three. That doing good has a purpose. There's a purpose to it. He says, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for the urgent needs and not to live unproductive lives. Paul says there's some urgent things that need to be done. As he wrote to Titus, I want you to encourage the Christians to look around and to think about what needs to be taking place and, and how they need to be getting involved. These are needs that are indispensable. These are needs that are necessary. It's a family who needs a meal. It's a, a child who needs a coat. A man who needs a ride to the doctor. A widow who needs someone to visit her. A neighbor's kids that need a carpool. It's a stranger that needs help paying for medicine. It's a young girl who needs wise counsel. It's a young man who needs a strong example. Your do-gooding 
Well, it meets a need that is important right here and, and right now. And I don't know, maybe now is the best time to add that meeting the right now urgent needs, those necessary needs of others, is something that we do both collectively and individually. You see, while our ministries at East Brainerd are dependent on your do-gooding, your do-gooding is not dependent on a ministry here at East Brainerd. You can do good even if it has nothing to do with a ministry of our church family. You, you can do good just because you decide, you know what? I've been blessed by the good news and I'm going to have my eyes open and I'm going to be involved and I'm going to be looking for ways that God is already working around me and I'm going to go and lend my talents and lend my service and lend my gifts to that. It doesn't have to be through a ministry here. We do good collectively and individually. We provide for the needs of others together and separately and we do so not so we can look spiritual but so we can be useful. Our people must learn to do good so that they will not live unproductive lives. The New Century Version says, so that their lives will not be useless. Guys, we have been redeemed by God to do something for somebody. The kingdom life is not meant to be lived waiting for heaven. The kingdom, of, the, the kingdom life is meant to be lived sharing heaven. That's what it's about. And it's why activist and author Shane Claiborne said, I am convinced that if we lose our kids, I'm convinced if we lose our kids to the culture of drugs and materialism, of violence and war, it's because we don't dare them, not because we don't entertain them. It's because we make the gospel easy, not because we make it too difficult. Kids want to do something heroic with their lives, he says, which is why they play video games and why they join the army. But what do they do when it, with a church that teaches them to tiptoe through life so that they can arrive safely at death. The good news is not life after death insurance. The good news is to transform us into do-gooders so that heaven becomes here on earth. And that's the message that our children need to be hearing. It's the message that we need to be bringing our younger families to and saying, look, there is a role for you within the kingdom of God, beyond the event, beyond the gathering, and it's all about what's going on out there. Do you understand what Claiborne was saying? They might be at church, the kids, that is. They might be at church, and their Bibles might be marked with five different colors of notes, but if they're not serving others, they're living unproductive lives. They're learning to be attenders. They're learning to be consumers. They're not learning to truly be Christ followers. Because in the Bible, the empty life is a life that's full of self. And there is no greater waste than an unproductive human being because it goes against the concept. It goes against the concept of God's design for humanity. All right, so let's start wrapping this up. I want you to listen again to Ephesians chapter 2 and in verse 8, 8 through 10. This time it's from the message paraphrase. It's God's gift being salvation. It's God's gift from the start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Jesus Christ to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work that we had better be doing. And why is this the case? I think bottom line, the world knows that doing good is not natural. Selfishness is natural. 
Selflessness is supernatural. And so when we go about doing good, we are proclaiming the good work that Jesus is doing in us. Our good works declare the good work that Jesus is doing and the change that is taking place. Our do-gooding is evidence of God's amazing grace. And so the last few weeks, we have ended our time together by me asking you to, to go to our website, eastbrainerchurch.org, and then click on Next Steps. And then when you do that, the little window will pop up, and I've encouraged you to, to tap there where it says, Join the EB Family. And we've had almost 20 different families who have done that, and you're going to be hearing more about them here in the next couple of weeks. We're excited about that. Excited about families that are like, hey, I, I want to be here, a part of EB, a part of what's going on. But look, this week, I would love for you to do that, if you haven't already, love for you to do that. But what I would really like for you to do this morning is to click right up above, join the EB family, to where it says get involved. Get involved. You'll then be asked to share your contact info with us. And this is for you if you've been here for years or if today's the first day that you have been with us. You'll be asked to share your contact information and then, and then choose. It'll give you an opportunity to choose from one or more of our EB ministries to volunteer with and serve. But beyond that, I also want to make you aware of a few specific needs that we currently have. Uh, and I've kind of already mentioned them a little bit. But our children's ministry, our, uh, our mowing team, our, our prison ministry are in need of, of some support right now. And so as you leave this morning uh, in the lobby... In the lobby, there's a table where you can volunteer to serve in various areas within these ministries. Now, online, you get a number of different types of ministries that we have going on here. But we're just kind of focusing in on, on a few that's going to be out there on the table this morning. And, and we've done this also because we know that everybody is at a different level when it comes to interactions and what you feel comfortable with, the way that you, have feel, you feel gifted. Some of you, being with people is not your thing. Talking in front of people, not your thing. But man, you can go get on a lawnmower. You don't have to talk to anybody. It's just you and the Lord. I mean, it's just you and the Lord. Or you can get a weed eater, right? Some of you are like, you can be the king or the queen of the weed whacker. Whatever you want to do. You can sign up to be a part of this, of this ministry. You can do that. In our lobby, there's a table where you can volunteer. Children's ministry, you get to have a little bit more interaction. Of course, you, you know, you're having it with the, 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 the wee ones, all right? So if you are spiritually gifted with patience, if that is your spiritual gift, right? Then, man, we'd love for you to do that. I'd love for you to be a part. Um, if you are more about getting in-depth with people and truly being able to pour into people's lives, then our prison ministry, transformation ministry, and we have these opportunities for you to, to volunteer and say, look, I, I, I want to help. I, I want to be a part of these things. We're also looking for individuals who would like to be considered to lead a couple of our ministries. If you'd like to be considered to, to take on the responsibility of some organization and, and, and then some, some carrying out of, of, of ministry, then we've got, we've got an opportunity for you. Our Warm Coats for Cool Kids ministry. We have the coats, but we need a champion or two to take the lead and to help plan that distribution. And so, hey, we've got some 300 to 400 coats that we want to be able to give out to children across Chattanooga, but we need somebody to organize that and to put that together. And you might be great in organization. You might be great in being able to delegate and, and get people involved and to help. We would love for you to say, hey, I'd like to be considered for that role. Or 
when it comes again to, to our mowing and, and weed eating, our grounds team, all the different things that go on around our facility outside, uh, Bruce Cowan, who has done an outstanding job over the years caring for the outside of our campus, is going to be stepping aside from that responsibility soon. And, and we need somebody who's like, hey, you know what, I got some time. I enjoy being outside. I enjoy working with others. I enjoy scheduling people. I, I enjoy being able to make sure things look good. I'm really, uh, you know, I'm a little OCD with that kind of thing. I, I like to make sure that everything's level and all the clippings are, are picked up and all the flowers are blooming and all that kind of stuff. If you'd like to be considered to, um, to lead this particular ministry, we would love to be able to talk to you about that. And you can sign up as you're leaving in the lobby today. Friends, when grace is stressed in the church then people should be getting blessed by the church. And we want EB to be a blessing. Not so that God can love us more, but because God loved us first and created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. So how would things look different in your life? How would things look different in your life if you began to focus your time and attention on do-gooding opportunities? What would it look like? Instead of service to others being a filler in your day, what if you allowed all your other activities to take a back seat to serving others? How would that change? How would you change? What impact would it have? What impact would it have on your children as they watch the priorities that you have placed for your family? So somebody's going to ask you, Somebody's going to ask you, hey, what's going on over at EB? What's happening at East Brainer? Hey, where do you go to church? What goes on over there? What's happening? And when you get asked that question, I'd love for you to be able to say, you know, at, at East Brainerd, we're a church family. We're a church family who's worshiping God daily by centering on Jesus and serving others. It's that simple. Worshiping together by centering and serving. That's what's going on. Friends, we are not just a gathering group of people. We are a going group of people. And we have been saved and we have been blessed to go out and call others to that same salvation and to be a blessing in others' lives. Worshiping together by centering and serving Let's tell somebody, that's what's going on. And then we say, hey, and we would love for you to be at EB. Father, thank you so much for the way that you have blessed our church family. For the way in which you have brought people to us through the years. For the way that we have trained some and then sent them out. And Father, for all the things that you've done. And for all the ways that people have been blessed through individuals who are part of this church family. Whether it be collective ministries that we are a part of or just individually with things that, that no one else here within this church body knows about. And Father, I know that we have individuals, we have men and women who are here who are part of this church, who spend themselves daily in worship to you, in service to others. And they don't do it so that they can receive anything from you. They do it because of what they have received. And I'm so thankful for their example I'm thankful for their enthusiasm. I'm thankful for their passion. But Father, this morning, I, I pray, 
I pray a special prayer for those of us who are here in this room, who are watching online, who are listening to this podcast. And Father, for the individual who has, for whatever reason, felt like that Christianity was about just them. And that has taken on this consumer kind of mindset and looks around and say, you know what, I'm really not involved. I'm not serving anybody. I'm not, I'm not sacrificing. I'm not engaged in people's lives. Father, I just pray that your spirit would motivate them. Motivate them to realize that they have been blessed to be a blessing. Remind them of the grace that you have given. Remind them of the reason that they have this grace. It's not so that they can wait on heaven, but so that heaven can be present here in their life, in the life of those around them. Father, I pray that we would all be motivated. Motivated to, to be individuals who center more on Jesus, who are actively looking for ways to be involved in one another's lives so that we can, so that we can be worshipful together. Father, that our worship would go outside of walls and to be present in the streets. And Father, that people might know who we are by the service that we give. And that they might be changed, they might be made different because of the worship that we have. Father, I'm thankful for the encouragement that we have received today, for the way that we have been brought together, for the communion we have shared, for the scriptures we have considered, the, the prayers that we have been able to be a part of, and Father, for the way we've been able to, to raise praises to you. So grateful for this time. May we be different tomorrow because we have been here today, but more important, Father, may someone in our life be changed tomorrow because we have been here and present today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. How about we thank the Lord together? That's what we're going to sing. And maybe you need to come before this church body and you'd like to be baptized into Christ because somebody has, has come to you before and said, you know what, we would love for you to center your life on Jesus. We'd love for you to do that this morning and come and let it be known. We want you to know that in our back, in our lobby, there's a prayer room. One of our elders will be back there. And if you'd just like to have some private time just for prayer to talk more about some of the things we discussed this morning, all this last month, or, or maybe it's something that has nothing to do with our lessons and you'd like just to have some private time to talk, we want to have that opportunity for you. Whatever your need is, feel comfortable to come and to share and let it be known. And let's give thanks to our God, Ayer, Eddie B. Let's stand.